following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. <laughs> the greatest people in all the world. And you're my peeps. This third service, you're my adopted children, and I love the fire out of you. I went to the adoption agency of heaven. I said, I want a third service. I want a 12 o'clock child. And the Lord said, you willing to stay around till they come and they go? I said, I'm willing. And I hadn't had anything to eat today. Feel sorry for me. <laughs> but I'm so happy to be ministering to you today. What a joy. What a joy. Patty sends her love. Jaron and Kate are out of town on their last little trip, pre-baby, pre-baby. I hope this is their last. If you're listening, I hope this is their last one. Our first daughter had two children. Second daughter had three. This one's going to have four, our youngest daughter. I told people if we'd had another daughter, I guess she'd have had five. It just keeps, it just keeps growing. You know what I mean? But I love you folks, and it's an honor to minister to you today. And we're happy to have guests with us today. There's families here that have guests with them. And if I start calling names, then I will mess up royally. But what a joy. I want to honor Pastor Brad, our executive pastor. He's left. He's left. All right. Pastor Brad and Cassidy, yeah, yeah. I may be the senior pastor, but he's the executor. He gets it done, and he runs the ship, and I'm so happy that he is a part of our church. Also, Pastor Phil and his sweet wife, Annie, they're here, youth pastor, young adult pastor. And how about, how about that Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy Davenport and Sherry? Isn't that awesome? Come on. You know what I love about Randy. He knows when Ricardo comes, Ricardo's going to kill it. But what Ricardo don't know is when Ricardo's not here, Randy kills it. And we have a wonderful time. I love Ricardo Sanchez. He is my favorite non-member singer. And he calls this his church home. Ricardo and Jeanette support this church. They love this house. And so we love having them. I've already promised him that he's going to be a part of the new structure next door. He'll be a part of it. He'll be here with us. Hey, guys. December the 20th is on its way. We're going to get there in the name of the Lord. We've got people that say they're going to work 16-hour days, two shifts. Some of them say they'd work 20, three shifts, 24-hour days. That's, a, that's, that's, that's effort. That's effort. That's what those three guys that broke through the host of the Philistine garrison to get David a drink, that's that kind of guys. They're, they're breakthrough people. And what a joy to have that kind of people with that kind of dedication to help our church get to that place over there. And I told the second service, when you get over there, you sit way up in the corner, 16 rows high in that, in that stadium seat, and you can wave at us. And I won't even know if you wave or not because you'll be so far away. But what a joy that you can separate, get, beside your, get, get by yourself, and enjoy church without worrying about COVID. By the way, every Sunday I pray that no COVID breaks out here. And I believe that with all my heart. Would you stand? You're incredible people. And I love you, love you, love you very, very much. And I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. And what a joy it is to bring the gospel. Now, Wednesday night, we're going back to online for the rest of the month. Then the first of the month, first of November, we'll be doing first Wednesday again with communion. And we'll do the second part of the three-part series, a trilogy of messages that God has given me to preach to you. I talked about seeing last week. We'll talk about We'll talk about stepping in the, in the month of November. And then in December, we're talking about stabilizing. And that'll be in, on site. That'll be on campus, church. And we'll have communion. God bless you. I'm speaking today on the value of worship. 
the value of worship. I think value is the greatest word for marriage, and if it works in marriage, it works in everything in life. Because how you value something is what you're willing to pay a price for. What you're willing to pay a price. If you're willing to pay a lot, you can have a successful marriage. If you're not willing to invest a lot, you may not have a successful marriage. But value is determined by the price you're willing to pay. And how much do you value your relationship with Jesus Christ? How much do you value? I know we've gone through a pandemic. It's been tough. It's been hard. Seven months, I've been preaching to an empty wall here, empty building. And it's so much more fun to see faces. See faces. And I, and, and I had one old boy, I go to a prayer breakfast down in, in San Marcos, and he told me, he said, Pastor, I watch you in my pajamas and sometimes just my underwear. And I said, that's too much information. I don't want to hear that. That ain't, that ain't good for me. That's not good. It's not good. So if you tune in Wednesday night, please be clothed and in your right mind. Or next Sunday, get up, put your clothes on, get your, get your breakfast done and tune in next week. But I want you here on Sundays. We're growing a church again. Revelation chapter 22, I, John, am the one who heard and saw things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow, fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. He said, worship God. Amen. Worship God. The last chapter, the last book, the last anointing on John to write, the words, worship God, were there. I'm speaking on the value of worship today. Turn to somebody and say, I want to help the preacher, and you may be seated. I won't be long. I promise you, I won't be long. You may be seated. John wrote this. He wrote this passage, Revelation 22. Revelation is the last book he would write. Chapter 22 is the last chapter penned under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. John's long, glorious life filled with the presence of the great God in Christ, is drawn to a close. And wouldn't you know it, the last chapter he writes involves worship, worship. How you start something, how you end something is very important. See, John was a worshiper. He stayed close to Jesus on earth. He was the closest on the night of Jesus' betrayal. It was John who stood by the cross. It was John who took Mary the mother of Jesus, home with him. He was a disciple whom Jesus loved. And I think the Lord loved him because John loved him. I don't believe that God has favorites. I believe people have a favorite God. And they get closer to him than other people. And it looks like they're blessed beyond measure. John was a worshiper. When Jesus went to heaven, it would be John and he alone who would recall an encounter that the master had with a Samaritan woman at a well. In the fourth chapter of John's describing the scene, the word worship is used more than any other place in the Bible, 10 times in five verses. From verse 20 to verse 24, the word worship is used five times. John knew it. The Lord seeks worshipers. John was a worshiper. Now he's exiled to Patmos. It was a prison place. It was a lonely place, a place of the rock. And yet he was worshiping. He was getting lost in the spirit on the Lord's day. And John exits from the Aegean Sea to the Crystal Sea because worship, folks, will take you places that you've never been in your life. There's nothing like worship. Remember John 4, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper 
will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, big S. And those who worship him must worship in their spirit and their truth. You must be full of truth in your worship and your spirit must be given to worship. CLA has always been a place of worship. It's our way. It's our belief. It's our tradition. We are a worshiping church. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad the Holy Spirit's not somewhere down in the basement in this church, not getting to operate. I'm glad we brought him out of the basement and said, Holy Spirit, take a hold of what we do in our life. Because we are spirit-led and spirit-driven and spirit-filled. And we love people to be lost in the presence of God. But tradition, no tradition is guaranteed results. None of it. Please listen to this. The barrenness of holy habit unaccompanied by holy fire is a threat to us all. Let me say it again. The barrenness of holy habit unaccompanied by holy fire is a threat to us all. In other words, you just can't go through the motions and the form and, de and denying the power of God. You can't do that. You must be involved in what you're doing when you get in praise and in worship with the master. Jesus addressed a group of people one day in Matthew 15. They honor me, he said, with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I heard a man preach one time that the heart is about 12 inches from the mouth and you're about a foot away from heaven because you don't put your heart into what you're saying. The function of worship without the fire in the worship prevents the release of fragrance in worship. The function without the fire does not release fragrance in worship. The incense of the soul is trapped inside until a fire is lit where neither God nor man can experience its fullness and its beauty. Incense says, I must come out. I must be released. There were three types of worships and praise in the Old Testament. There was what was known as a wave offering. It was taking grain from the field and waving it to the Lord. That's what we do in praise. Another was a drink offering. They would fill bottles and, and vases full of water or wine and pour them out on the ground. It was called a drink offering as if we're emptying our spirit. But then there was what was known as a heave offering. It's when people would go down deep in their soul and a hallelujah would come out and a praise the Lord would come out. And you know, it's one thing to wave and it's another thing to pour out. But when you get this involved, when you get the soul involved, there's nothing like giving God the very best that you have. How many times? Have we come to church and worship? Yet it was mostly from form and it was from fashion. We've worshiped until we felt better, until our load has been lifted. In my walk with God, I have discovered the wrong motive for worship in my life. If we worship him for any reason other than because he's worthy, then our motive for worship is not right. My own motive for worship through my life has many times been wrong. I'm standing before you today confessing something. It's confession time. I'm admitting today I'm addicted to worship. I'm addicted to it. I'm a worship junkie. <laughs> there's, a, there's a word in the Bible called it that people, saints, were addicted to the call of God. I'm addicted to this thing called worship. This church, folks, is my happy place. I came here yesterday, never watched one play of the football game between Texas and Oklahoma because God had told me it won't be good. 
and it won't prepare you for tomorrow. But if you come and walk in my presence for about four or five hours tomorrow, I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to help you and we're going to win today. And I feel that God is going to help a lot of people in this house today. Amen. I love the house of God. I'm standing before you saying, I love worship. I love to get in his presence. I like to feel good. I really do. I really understand that scripture, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like the escape. I like the way it makes me feel to get lost in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think I'm guilty of worshiping the worship more than worshiping the God of the worship. I want to feel his presence perhaps sometime more than I want him in my life. I'll go a step further in my confession. Some of us are guilty of coming to church because we just enjoy it here. And it's a fun place, isn't it? Church is fun. Oh, go ahead and laugh. It's fun. Church is a fun place. Because we knew people would be here. And we all love people. This is a people church. And when we grow to 10,000, 15,000 one day, we're still going to be a people church. We're never going to be more than just one big old happy family because we knew there would be great singing here today. There'd be great fellowship here today and hopefully good preaching. Notice I said good, not great. Might need to remember the last time you came to church because God is here. Do you remember that? Or try to remember the last time you came to church just to worship him. Or try to remember the last time we worshiped him for his sake and not for our own benefit. This thing is not about us. This thing is about him. I know even David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I sent, I sent text out to all my, my, my young men that's come through this church in the 30 years that I've been here. And they've all, they're all pastoring great churches today. And I sent a bunch of texts out today. Hope this is a great day. I honor you as a pastor. I honored you as here. But I, I, got one, I had one young man that came through here that I didn't think I was going to ever get negative out of him. He was the most negative young man I've ever seen in my life. In fact, he just, he just never had a positive touch in his life. He came from negative home. He came from a negative church. He came from a negative background. And he was warped with negativity. And the only thing he would ever do when he got in the pulpit, I said, you need to quote a scripture because if you get to talking, you'll run people off. <laughs> I told him that. He'd get, he'd get in, the, in the pulpit and he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> no smile, no joy no happiness, no contentment. So I took him behind the barn. And I said, son, you're going to have to get a smile on your face. You're going to have to get joy in your heart because if you're glad, don't act like you're mad. You look like to me, son, you could preach on joy and get mad at people because they didn't respond to joy. I said, son, you got it. And before he left, I think one time he got up here and he said, I was glad. It's time to understand. It's a good thing to be in the house of God here today. Amen? David said that. David enjoyed church, and church should be enjoyable, but it wasn't David's motive for going. He said in Psalms 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Church is still about seeking him. Church is still about coming to honor him. Church is still about adoring him. Church is still about doing what he wants us to do, not what we want to do in our life. Members of CLA, our continual prayer, our continual praise, and our hunger to learn more of true worship has brought this house into biblical alignment 
with the throne of God. And I believe we're under an open heaven today because of praise and worship in this house. Can you clap your hands for that right now? Amen. Now let me preach a little bit. We've always prided ourselves of being a people of praise. But I wonder sometime if we've not always just lived a little less than a life of true worshipers. Praise is referred to as a garment. And we're told to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. However, anything you can put on, you can also take off. There's not a lot of commitment required for praise. You can shout real loud. You can dance before the Lord. You can jump up and down at your seat and then walk out of here, hang your garment up, and go back to your sinful habits. And you know it's true. You don't have to be anything more than a rock to cry out to God in praise. But worship, it's another story. It's costly. It costs. It requires much commitment. It requires much effort. Praise is a garment, but worship is a lifestyle. Come on now. An attitude. It's an occupation. John 9 said, if anyone be a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. God loves worshipers. You can praise God and you still go back to a life of sin. But when you worship, your sins are revealed and you want to change from who you are to who God wants you to be. There's a depth of worship that praise will never bring into your life. And so the reason I'm preaching about worship today is because I'm talking to people for seven months that I haven't had a lot to praise the Lord about And because maybe you've been furloughed, maybe you've lost your job, maybe you've lost a loved one to COVID, maybe a lot of things have gone wrong, and you thought, God, do you still really care? But I'm here to tell you something. If you will unloose yourself in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of worship, after being in a true worship atmosphere, Isaiah said this, woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The Bible said, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the year King Uzziah died and his train filled the temple. Can I give you a little insight on that? You know, kings, when they went to war, and they won a war, they wore robes, and they would tie little ribbons to the bottom of those robes about this wide, and it would always be a different color because every ribbon represented a victory in war. And, and when a king had a long train, when a king had a long train behind him, it meant he was victorious. David had a long train. But Isaiah said, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, his train filled the whole house. His train filled the whole house. There was no place for defeat. I'm telling you, when I start worshiping God, I don't see defeat in my life. I don't see death in my life. I don't see down times in my life. I'm worshiping a King of kings and a Lord of lords that fills the whole house with his train of victories. Somebody want to magnify him? Somebody want to magnify him? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together, together. Praise makes you feel good. Praise will help you fight your battles. Praise is biblical. Praise is right. Praise is calmly for the upright. It really is. 259 Bible references to praise. 
Psalm 22 and 3 says, O thou that inhabits the praise of his people. God is enthroned, folks. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. And 259 times that word's in the Bible. Worship, it's a little less. It's 188 times. You know why? It's more costly. It's more costly. Let me preach now. Worship is costly. Worship makes you want to change. Worship gives no guarantee of making you feel good. That's not what it's about. The attitude behind praise is, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You have blessed me. The attitude behind worship is, you're worthy, Lord. No matter what comes in my life or what it costs me, I'm going to worship you till the day I die. Worshippers are the ones that move this earth. You hear me? It's not, it's not hard to praise him when he's doing a lot of great things in your life. You've got to be really entitled to not praise him when he's doing things. But when you're standing alone and there's nothing else to do and nothing else in your life happening, I promise you worship will take you further than you've ever dreamed in your life. And I want you to get a hold of a concept that's deeper than praise and more awesome than praise could ever be because it's telling God how great he is. Not thanking him for anything, but just telling him, you're the most awesome God. You're the most powerful God. You made everything. You deserve everything I am. You deserve everything I ever want to be. And you can't get in that kind of thing without feeling something. There's a heave offering that comes out of you that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, hallelujah. You know, Abraham, the father of faith, brought us the word worship. The first time worship's ever invented or shown in the Bible is Genesis 22. First time it's ever there. And it was given to us by Abraham. The Bible said he took Isaac, his promised son, and placed firewood upon his back. And he told his servants at the bottom of Mount Moriah, you stay here. The lad and I are going yonder to worship. To worship. You know, Abraham was challenged because the pagans in that day offered their children to the God of Molech. They burned them. They threw them in the water. They drowned them. And they, they tried to appease the gods of Molech. And I think God is saying, do you love me like those people love their false gods? I want you to take your son, your only son. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham loaded Isaac up and he used the word worship. Worship didn't have a good tone then. It didn't have a good tenor then. It didn't sound right. But when he got to the top of the mountain, <laughs> see Moriah and Calvary are sister hills, sister mountains. And so Moriah looks over where Jesus would die several years later. And Abraham took that lad up that mountain and put him on that altar and took his, his hand back to kill him. And the Lord stopped his hand and said, hey, while you were coming up on this side, I had a ram coming up on this side. And they met at the top of the mountain. Because worship will take you up to places that you'll never go just praising God. Worship will lift you higher, oh my Lord. Worship will take you higher and provide more. And, and Abraham took that ram and slew it and said, God has provided Jehovah Jireh. You hear me. If you get in a worship spirit, if you have a worship week, get ready. God's got something for you on top of yonder mountain that you cannot, oh hallelujah. He's got something, he's preparing something for you right now because he is Jehovah Jireh. Yes. Somebody help me preach right now. I will worship you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I will worship you.
<laughs> For the first time, praise is mentioned as Genesis 29. That's seven chapters more. Leah, Jacob's other wife, he loved Rachel. Leah was his other wife. She bore him four sons. And the fourth son she bore him was named Judah. Judah. Judah, now will I praise the Lord. And from that tribe of Judah, from the tribe of praise, the Messiah was born. The Messiah was born. And I praise today because the lineage of Jesus Christ is in our life. And we praise him for that. But worship is born of sacrifice. Praise is a result of blessing. Worship is deep. Job chapter 1. He was spending a day like any other day praying for his kids. And a messenger comes to his house and said, Job, today the Sabaeans attacked and killed all your animals, your donkeys, and all the things that help you with the field. And while he was there, another one came and said, Job, I hate to tell you this, but a fire fell and killed all your sheep, and I'm the only one left to tell you. And while he was there, another one came and said, Job, the Chaldeans came today and they took all your camels away. They stole them. And while he was there, another one came and said, Job, I hate to tell you this, but your kids were having a banquet, a Thanksgiving meal, and a wind came and killed all 10 of your children. And I'm the only one left. And here's what the Bible said. Watch this now. Job chapter one, when Job arose, he rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down on the ground and worshiped. Worship is what you do when you get down to nothing. There is still an avenue. There is still a gateway. There is still a path that no fowl knoweth and the vultures I hath not seen and the lion's whelp is not heard. There is a path. And that path is not saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. No, no, that path is saying, God, I give you everything. Job said, naked I came into this world, and naked I will leave. But blessed be the name of the Lord in my life. You hear me. Now you listen to me. I'm taking you to a depth today that you need to know. Some of you need to find a worship vein. There is a path. There is a place that no foul knoweth and the vultures I have not seen. You need to find that path. And when you find it and you start worshiping him, not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. <laughs> then you'll understand. Worship means simply God is worthy. Do you believe that God is worthy today? Do you believe he's worthy today? Fritz Kressler was a master violinist and he desired a rare Stradivarius violin. He wanted one. He was an excellent violinist. And he found one in the home of an Englishman one day who had a fortune to purchase it and he offered him some money. And the Englishman said, this Stradivarius is not for sale. It's not for sale. And Fritz said, then I can at least see it. He said, sure. And he gave it to him and he picked it up and tuned it and tucked it beneath his chin and masterfully drew the bow across the strings as the master played, tears fell on the Englishman's face. And Fritz thought he had upset him. He said, no, 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 I'm not upset, no. But I told you this violin was not for sale, and it isn't. But Mr. Fritz, this violin is yours today because you're the master, and you alone are worthy of this violin. I'm going to put something up here, and I want you to never forget this. A masterpiece belongs to a master. I want you to put your hand on your chest right now. Just kind of put your hand on your chest and say, 
I'm a masterpiece. <laughs> Been a while since you've heard that, isn't it? I'm a masterpiece. Maybe you didn't hear that from your parents. Maybe you didn't hear that from your school. Maybe you didn't hear that from your best friends, but you're a, say, I'm a masterpiece. When God made this earth, he said it was good. When he made man, he said it was very good. You are the best that he could produce. You're a masterpiece. And a masterpiece belongs to a master. And I think it would be very apropos today, very germane, since we are a masterpiece and he's our master, that we should honor him all week, not in a spirit of praise, not in a wave offering, not in a drink offering, but in a heave offering. Lord, I'm hungry for your presence. And I love you for who you are. And I exalt you today. I crown you in my life. I lift up you because you have lifted me up. And you gave me an opportunity. You died for me on a cross. You start bragging on him like that. And not just saying, thank you, Lord. You just start bragging on who he is and what he's about. He'll say, hey, Gabe, come over here. Go down there and do something. Take them up on top of a mountain and let them see the Jehovah Jireh I am in their life. Let them see the glory that I'm going to bring in their life because they've learned something I'm looking for in the last days. The Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship means giving God your best. As Oswald Chambers said, worship is giving God the best that he has given you. You believe God deserves your best? Worship is giving it to him. The Old Testament requirement for offering sacrifices to God was simply this, no lame animals, no blind animals. They had to be the best, and God still requires the best. I love the story I tell from time to time preaching. An old farmer who had been a miser, he is a miser, he was tied as he could be, he got converted. And shortly after, one of his neighbors suffered a serious loss, and so he went to his smokehouse to get a prized ham to take to them, and the devil said, why give him the whole ham? Why don't you just give him half of it? And he opened the smokehouse door and he remembered a little, a little thing that he had learned about practicing the presence of God. When the devil comes, he was taught to rebuke the devil and he'd flee from you. And the old man was heard to say, look, Satan, if you don't pipe down, I'm gonna give him the whole smokehouse. Aren't you tired of hell nipping at your heels and whispering to you and saying, is this really worth the effort? Devil, if you don't get out of my sight, I'm going to give them the whole thing. You know what I really believe? I believe worship is whole hog or nothing. And I believe that we need to turn our lives into worship centers this week. We need to go deep in God. We need to understand that this is not just thank you, Lord. I love you for what you've done. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something powerful and costly about this thing called worship. It'll reveal things to you. It'll open up your eyes and you'll see. And I'm so glad I didn't watch that ball game yesterday because I wouldn't have had this concept to bring to you today. I'm telling you, I want this church to fall in love with Jesus so strongly that every morning when you get up, it's not, not a praise morning, it's a worship morning. It's a morning of saying, God, I exalt who you are. I bless who you are. I love your name. I love your presence. I love everything about you. And God, there's, a, there's an Old Testament word called denu. If nothing else ever happens good in my life, you'll never run me out of here. I'll never 
take my faith for granted because you are my God and I am with you always, even to the end. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. Worship, 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 worship. You know, I think worship does three things. Randy, if you and Ricardo will come, I'm through. I'm done. You know, I wasn't going to be long this morning. In the first service, I was very short. Second service, I was a little longer. My God, I'm giving you all the whole cupboard. <laughs> Everything. But you know, there's three reasons to worship. Number one, it gets, it gets your problems in the proper perspective. In other words, when you read the Bible, have you ever tried to read the Bible like this? Right up to your face? You can't do it. You know why? Because you've got to have a little distance between you and the reading. And your problems sometimes get right here. But when you worship, it puts them all in perspective. It backs them up and puts him right here. And the second thing it does, it humbles us. It enables us to understand that it's about him and not about us. And the third thing it does, it works miracles in our life. Miracles happen when we are worshiping him. I'm going to give you three, three areas today. A demoniac man in Mark 5 came and worshiped him and he got a miracle. Jairus, a man who wasn't even a believer, came and asked him to come and raise his daughter. And he came and worshiped him. And Jesus went home with him. And then there's a woman in Tyre and Sidon who had a daughter that was vexed of a devil. And the Bible said when he came to minister to her, he never went back there again, but he ministered to a Gentile woman. And the disciples said, Lord, send her away. He said, we don't give, we don't feed the dogs. And she said, yeah, but the dogs do eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, great is your faith. And he healed her. She worshiped him. Worship opens up things in your life that praise will never open up. John was in Patmos. And he got an invitation in Revelation 4 to go into the heavenlies. And he walked right into the middle of a worship session. And he stayed there. He stayed in that worship session because he understood that God was getting him ready to go through a tough, tough time. And from Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 18, he saw all these evil things. But in 19, he heard four hallelujahs because worship will salvage you and keep you through the tough times in the end. And we're going to go through some tough times, but this church is going to be a worshiping church through those times. We're going to worship him. We're going to worship him. We're going to worship him. You don't become a worshiper when you become a Christian. You become a worshiper when you determine to worship God regardless of your circumstance. Would you stand? You're incredible people. I love you. I love you. I want to tell you when I learned worship. 1981 when I lost my wife and boy. I don't talk about this as much probably as I need to. I lost my wife and boy same day. Tragic, tragic. Drunk driver took their life. Four years old, 26 years old. And I went to the church the next day and I bowed down and praise seemed kind of out of the picture. What do you praise for? What do you praise God for? But worship seemed to be right on cue. And I bowed down. I lifted my hands. There's a beautiful family in this church that I adore that had a little five-year-old daughter that they lost also. And they understand this thing called worship. 
there's a path that no fowl knoweth and the vultures eye hath not seen. And the lion's whelp is not heard. Neither is there no roaring lion there. There is a path. And the path is worship. That path. And I knelt my knees and I said, God, I can't do this without you. I can't make this work without you. I've got to help you. I need you. Do you hear me, God? I need you. You're everything. You're all that I need. I don't need anything else. And he came down and he helped me. And he took me through a funeral. And he took me past the post feelings of loss. And he made up my bed in the time of my affliction. And he walked in my room in the wee hours of the morning because I learned the power of worship. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I don't know what's gonna happen in our society, but I know one thing, that worship's gonna take us through. A worshipful church is gonna take us through anything that comes against us because God is bigger than anything that happens in our world. Clap your hands and say amen to that. Amen to that. Now here's what I want us to do. Brother Ricardo, I love you. You're like a, you're like a son to me. I love you. I love your wife. I love your three big old boys. Big old things. I don't see how y'all ever fed them in life. And they're so massive. We love Ricardo. He's fixing to sing a song, and I want us to enter into just for the next few moments here. I know I've gone a little long. I apologize. Please don't leave right yet. We're going to go about two more minutes. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hands, and I don't want you to praise him and thank him for anything. I just want you to brag on God right now. Just brag on his awesomeness and brag on his gratefulness, on his goodness and his love for us. Just brag on him. That's what we're about here today. So open your mouth and just say, Lord, I love you and I, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for what you've been in my life and I thank you for saving me and I thank you for blessing my life and I honor you. You're better to me, hallelujah, than a thousand, thousand people in my life. You're better to me. There's nobody like you. There's nobody that stands beside you and I love you with everything I am. Can you do that? Sing, Brother Ricardo. Let's go. Here I am to work. Here we go. Come on now. Here Come on, lift I your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Come on, respond to, to it, respond to it. There is a path. There is a path. Come on, there is a path. You're all together lovely. You're all together worthy. You're all together wonderful to me. Here I am to
Cassidy. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. So God gave me a sweet, sweet wife, and and the first baby we had is this one right here. And what I thought a son was going to be, this daughter's becoming. She is a powerfully used vessel of the Holy Ghost. Her husband, Brad, is a powerfully used vessel of the Holy Ghost. And their kids are powerful vessels of the Holy Ghost. Hey, worship will take you from the Aegean Sea to the Crystal Sea. It'll move you to heights you've never known in your life. Worship him this week. I love you. I love you with all my heart. Have the best week you've ever had. Get up every morning worshiping him. Don't ask him for anything. Just worship him all week long. See where he takes you. See where he takes you. I love you. You're awesome. Wednesday night, we're online. Pastor will be teaching. Next Sunday, we're right back in here. God bless you. Have a super day. Have a super day.